Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode eight of the Web3 show, our first episode of 2022. I hope you're all feeling as excited for this new year as uh, myself and the wannabe wizards. As always, I'm back with Galactic Q. Uh, he's either, I, I can't tell you where exactly he is, but he's either holed up in his farm in the, the winelands of South Africa, got his booster Wi-Fi cable trying to get signal, or he's maybe somewhere close to the beach. Um, can't say, but he's definitely working on his NFT project at the moment. Grinding deep hard. <laughs> deep diving. Deep diving. <laughs> and uh, your guy in TradFi, of course, as usual, planning his assault on Wall, on Wall Street. Uh, we'll get into his outlook for 2022. We're all very excited. Um, we were just uh, all reflecting on how tired we are after last year. But uh, I think uh, 2022's a very exciting prospect. And uh, I think just to ease you in for the year, uh, for the new year, we're going to do a bit of a shorter episode, but basically we're going we're gonna to do Galactic Q's uh, market update as usual. And then that's going to bleed into some uh, predictions, although that comes with a disclaimer that uh, we're, we're going to be pretending to be wizards and look into our crystal ball. Um, and uh, it'll be a, sort of a benchmark where we just, at the end of the year, we'll probably come back to these, um, to these uh, predictions and be like, why on earth? How on earth did we say these things? Um, but yeah, Q, let's get into your market up, update. Um, I don't, uh, I don't uh, anticipate there to be a huge material change from last week, um, but give us your outlook over the past week and like what was happening in the markets, if anything, and probably more forward-looking um, what are your thoughts for the next few weeks? I mean, I, b before we dive in, I want to hear more about this three-hour headstand morning routine of yours. <laughs> <laughs> is that well? First, f first, I think we need to establish this appropriate uh, content for the Web Three show. <laughs> I just heard kombucha and headstand, you, and I was you, like, "This guy's got his life figured out." So. <laughs> okay, he got it from the Joe Rogan show. <laughs> oh, I love Andrew it. Huberman, Andrew Huberman, eh? He he told me he red pulled me on uh, health. He said before I check coin market cap in the morning, I need to do at least half either three hours of meditation or thirty minutes headstand. So I chose for thirty minute headstand because it's more more time efficient. Hectic, and then he looks at his coin market cap portfolio on a red yeah. day, and he gets yeah. a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, and then I go drink four cups of coffee and. Uh, Basically, an ape into Phantom. <laughs> Love Phantom. But yeah, uh, this we'll give you uh, not financial advice on this podcast. Go to for go to Tim Ferriss for morning routines. He's got some bulletproof ones. <laughs> well, yeah, boys, let's let's dive into the market. So, yeah. yeah, obviously, over the last week, guys, things have been pretty stagnant. We've been consolidating in this range, uh, so not much has changed since what we spoke about last week. You'll recall that I discussed this range-bound motion between 45K to 52K. Um, and so far, we're sticking in that range. And we're currently testing the 46K to 45K zone. Uh, so right now, it just looks like we're going to continue to consolidate. I am expecting swing lows to the 42K zone, whether it's a wick or a, a slow beat consolidation over the first two to three weeks of January. 
Um, if we look at a lot of the macro momentum indicators on the charts, it's clear that Bitcoin needs some more consolidation time before we take off in Jan, early Feb. Um, so I'm leading to more towards a medium term outlook here where I'm long medium term uh, on higher time frame charts, like daily to monthly, um, rather than looking to short term the market, um, because I just think we're going to continue to move in this range farm motion. And what's quite interesting with this, uh, a more interesting chart is the Bitcoin dominance chart, which has been retesting consistently over the past couple of days, the 39% dominance level which is a crucial level for Bitcoin to hold if it wants to maintain dominant status in the market. If we are to lose this level, our next level of dominant support is around 36%, which is quite a drop in the Bitcoin dominance. Basically, what we're seeing here is, like with Bitcoin's price ranging, the dominance has been ranging in quite a tight zone as well. And I think if we are to see a breakout in Bitcoin's price, we will get a bounce from this level. And it could be an expected bounce um due to bitcoin showing strength when it starts moving up again um but right now market seems to be stagnating we're getting a few altcoin ecosystems make some moves for example phantom has had some great moves and great growth especially amongst its DeFi ecosystem uh we've noticed that the nft ecosystem on avax has been making some moves as well um so there's been various niches that have been taking off but ultimately the market is quiet at the moment um, people are gearing up for the year, and I think this week is going to be the big opening week. I mean, today already, we're starting to see a lot of activity, especially we've got all the influencers coming back from holiday. People are starting to kick back and open up their laptops and get ready to either degen, lose all their money, or buy shitcoins. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going for the latter. <laughs> no, no. Joking, joking, joking. Johns, what are you, uh, thoughts on... Uh, altcoins you did touch briefly on them are they you know do are they going to follow closely if we see a breakout in bitcoin what's going on there are you staying away from them at the moment looking at more fundamentals uh tokens yeah well right now i'm focusing on my layer one ecosystems uh so ethereum phantom solana polka dot those sort of currencies same advice is uh, the same as the f as the past few weeks basically yeah exactly like I, I would highly recommend staying away from low caps and risky volatile assets unless you get in at pre-sale ido rates um but right now the safest bet is to be allocated into bitcoin ethereum stable coins and a bunch of layer ones um and again phantom is showing a ton of strength moving from a dollar 20 at its low um about a week and a half ago and it just broke two dollars nine two dollars 75 uh a few minutes ago so we've had some huge growth in the phantom ecosystem um and yeah i know our guy in tradfire is deep in the yield grind on on phantom as well so i do see altcoins having their time to shine uh but definitely the safest bet is to play the bigger bigger cap ecosystems um, and then look for yield farming opportunities within those ecosystems. Yeah, Lucas, speaking of phantom and yield, hey, give us some insight if you have any unique ones on, on what's going on in the phantom ecosystem. I know you red pulled me recently on, on that, uh, on that particular one. Are you, are you yield farming in tomb finance, Lucas? I am. Oh. Of course, who isn't? <laughs> you know, I tried to red pull us both, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Looks like looks like everyone's in in team finance. Time to pull the rug. <laughs> <laughs> That's his plan. That's his. I, all I could say is I'm eating t-shirts for dinner at the moment right now, boys. But if you up. if you had if I had video on, I would have uh, my pinky up to my lip like a uh, Doctor Evil, eh? Austin Powers. <laughs> I just pumped like another five percent of I my think... portfolio into Phantom when we had just before the two dollar breakout. Um, and I just popped it straight into tomb as well. Look, like I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Phantom. Um, I mean, like I said in the last one or two episodes ago, I was about 75% cash. I think I'm down to 70, 65, 70%. Um, a big part of what's left is Phantom. I think, uh, Phantom and Luna. Um, I mean, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, if we, if we flatline for the next like three to six months. Um, these yields, 100 plus percent um, compounded, uh, are, are really going to deliver just that that extra gain, right? Um, and and I think it, it's an ideal opportunity to just scale out as well, right? Like when you're earning when you're earning extremely high yield, you can slowly start scaling out your initial capital uh, while still maintaining a kind of strong position in the protocol. So I have to think of my eyes on Phantom. And I mean, like in the broader context of where we're going, I mean, we've got some rate spikes planned later in the year. So I think the next three to six months are going to be interesting. Probably a few opportunities to get some good exits. Um, but I, I, I will be honest, um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling bearish six months out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, think, I think there's a huge traditional market correction coming quarter three quarter four this year um so what i do see is i know our guy in tradfire you and i were chatting the other day we had a long call where we discussed micro cycles um and for those that aren't familiar with micro cycles bitcoin's history usually runs through these year-long bull and bear trends so you've got a year and a half bull market with a three-year bear market and then the halving cycle but what we're noticing now since last year and since March uh, 2020 is we've been moving into more of three to six month episodes where we have bull to bear swings. Um, and we had, you know, peaks in September, then dips, uh, September 2020, or sorry, August 2020, we had a DeFi peak, then we had a dip, then Jan 2021, we had a push all the way through till May, which was a three month, Jan, Feb, March, April, May is a five month push. And then we had a four month bear cycle. And then September, November, we had a two to three month push there, October, November, December. And now we've been in a, a month and a bit of bearish movements. And this kind of fits into the narrative that the rest of Jan is kind of gonna be this consolidation period. So locking, you know, allocating your funds, keeping a huge cash hedge because we will get swing lows in the market, but ultimately playing those DeFi ecosystems, it's gonna be the way forward. Um, before we start really pushing up again for Feb, March, April, um, looking for a May crash again uh, this year, in my opinion. So I think there's going to be a three-month period where altcoins will make big moves and largely outperform perform Bitcoin. Um, yeah, but I'm definitely on the same thing that I think the second half of this year, six months from now, is going to be very, very bearish. Um, and that's not because of crypto but largely because of the macroeconomic uh, situation. Yeah, so then just, I mean, segueing into more of a 
a bit of a predictions chat for you know what our outlook is for 2022 my idea that i had and you guys have already touched uh but broadly on the the macro the macro side of things touching on traditional markets maybe we can just touch on that a bit more before we dive into like maybe specific assets uh, or specific ecosystems so you guys are basically thinking that you know we we're heading into these micro cycles maybe you guys can um sort of elaborate on uh, you know is, is that have we had enough time yet to establish that it's always going to be 3 to 6 month and then obviously if there there is something crazy that happens you know in traditional markets that causes contagion i mean you can think evergrande in china um you know something in traditional markets that just smashes everything is crypto going to then bounce back because okay it's tie it's due for our micro microcycle reversal um in back into a bull run um what are you guys thoughts on that yeah i mean if we just kind of kind of look at how bitcoin performs when we do have stock market volatility cryptocurrency bounces back tenfold versus the stock market bounce and you know the, the the stock market is heavily inflated at the moment and we do need to see a correction and i think regardless of what asset you hold you know property will probably get hit the least hard but all assets are going to crash some form of like in one way or another and i think cryptocurrency due to its volatile nature will have one hell of a scary scary dip um i could see you know another 65 70% dip uh, halfway through this year before we have a massive v-shaped recovery bounce and that's going to be that next buy opportunity and you know there, there there's a risk degree that comes with everything that you do in the crypto space but you know i i know we're all on the i mean we wouldn't be running this podcast if we all weren't on the yellow chart long um <laughs> so i mean for me whatever massive market correction we get always just make sure you have dollars on the side no matter what status we're in so that you can always buy that dip because you never know how far we're going to dip and if you catch that bottom or even if you catch 5% or 10% near the bottom you're going to significantly multiply your investments and probably cover and mitigate your losses um so it's just kind of the way you want to play the market um but i do i do end of this year again see a strong finish uh maybe a quiet december but a strong so october november december that sort of period being quite strong for the cryptocurrency market i still see a six figure bitcoin this year luna to $1000 in my opinion is not a meme this year <laughs> and i think phantom to 20 to $30 is also not a meme either um and solana $5000 is another prediction so holy shit those are some outlandish moves. predictions <laughs> yeah i mean i mean guys guys saying solana wouldn't go to $25 when you know i bought it at $1 you know we moved all the way to 240 so there there there's big moves possible with these coins especially with the development and the uptick that's happening in the crypto space but that being said there's no reason why luna can't dump to $20 before it pumps up to 1000 Um yeah. you know there's no reason why these coins can't have 60-70% dips. These are all young assets. They're all part of an emerging asset class and everything will be volatile no matter how good it is. Well yeah, cuz that's the thing, John. So I was going to push back on you before you made that disclaimer at the end. I think if we're looking at it, you know, if we're looking at 5 to 10 years, 
I would say no doubt that all yeah. of those predictions do come true, right? Um, in one way or another, whether it's, you know, I can't, no one can see it directly into the future until the exact time. But if we're looking at this year, the reality is, you know, obviously we're still in the, you know, from a macro perspective, not talking about crypto, we're still in that, in the longest bull run that markets have ever seen since the global financial crisis in 2007, 8, 9. And that still hasn't stopped. People have been calling for a crash since 2019. Yes, the crash came in, in uh, COVID, but we're, you know, we're back at all-time highs, blew that out of the water you know, a year ago, if you're just talking about markets in general. So you know, people who have called for crashes have been wrong, and you know, the market could be up again by the end of this year at all-time highs. Um, but what we can be certain of is that uh, I hope uh, Luca, being our guy in Tradfire, agrees with me that risk, the market, there's the the risk is at a at an extremely high level and probably an, at an all-time high level in all markets, right? And I don't know how like if market if traditional markets get hit and badly and we you know we go into like maybe a year and a half slump recession again post-COVID, post all these interest rate hikes and everything, you know, p- potential conflict that we don't see coming, um, be that war or whatever it may be. Um, uh, look, look, yeah. I agree. Um, I, I agree but, but sorry, I, Luca, just to finish that thought, will, will, can yeah. crypto then bounce back? Will, will that, that cycle still, uh, still follow the same route and b- will crypto bounce back by the end of the year if that all happens six, to dish, six, traditional mar- six month markets? Ma- three to six month microcycles. I think there will yeah. always be a bounce. Luca, thoughts? Look, I think, I, I, think, I mean, but we've, we, we crashed and, and we've been range bound. Um, and if, you know, fear and greed index um, is, is still extremely fearful. I think that reflects the general sentiment in the market that there, there is still a lot of risk. Right. Like lots of these coins are still up a hundred X. Um, I saw, <laughs> I saw a ridiculous comparison of prices of the major L1s at, uh, Jan 1 21, um, to Jan 1 22 now. Um, I mean, you're looking at a hundred X in, in all of them. Right. So, so I think there's a lot of room to, to come down. And I think, um, building on that, it's worthwhile just thinking about the cost to hedge. You know, so so sure you could you could say, damn, um, holding fifty percent cash sounds like uh, you know like a bad deal. I'm going to miss out on half the gains. But you know, if you're deploying your L1 assets um, into high yield strategies, um, your average return on your portfolio, if you account for the fact that the kind of benchmark DeFi rate is anchors twenty percent, um, it's wild. I mean, I would almost argue that that there is hardly a cost to hedge, um, and and that kind of the the benefit over the next twelve to twenty four months of having an enormous um, cash position deployed in yield farms and effectively having your L one assets earning you a hundred plus uh, percent yields uh, where possible um, is is really going to be the big play. So I agree with you. Fundamentally, I agree with you, Luca. There's a lot of risk. I think that 
if 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 you take a moment to think about the cost to hedge and realize that actually with with all the opportunities being this early in the space to to generate yield on your active portion of your portfolio bearing in mind also that you'll get that benchmark rate of 20 percent uh, on your cash position uh, i think you can go into this next cycle of volatility well armed to make the most of it yep so that's the yeah. play you're playing DeFi the whole time earning and then yeah. have that cash portion on the sideline just one thing about the fear and greed that I just want to challenge you on a bit there is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So the fear and greed has been consistently under 50 towards the fear for the last two and a half weeks now. Last time we had a scenario like this was before Bitcoin broke out from 10K and pushed. And, you know, I can, I can you know, say, I mean, we, we all pretty much know the more fearful the market gets, the bigger the upswing that comes in the short to medium term. And, you know, with that narrative, yes, I do think that DeFi yield is the way to go. But right now, looking to purchase the dip with a small percentage of your portfolio could pay off really well if you just play that fear and greed narrative. Mm. Um, so it's not necessarily the most, it is a bearish indicator, but it can be an opportunity indicator as well. Um, look, it depends. I, I think it depends entirely on what your what your profile is. You know, if if you if you have set aside a small portion of your uh, assets to trade crypto, then sure, you know, um, maybe you don't need to have a twenty four month horizon. If you're uh, <laughs> ninety nine exposed, like like I think the three of us are, then I think it is definitely sensible to think about kind of a long term hedging strategy. And you know, when we went up now for the past. I don't know how many months um, of just bullish momentum. You know, the the fear and greed index was printing all time highs for months in a row. If I'm uh, remembering that right, I mean, I, I remember a couple of uh, uh, kind of prominent guys, crypto crypto zombie, kind of pointing out, pointing it out. It, it seemed like almost every other video he was saying, you know, we're we're at all time highs basically, and, it, and it's not going down. We we would dip and it would stay up, and I think. That exuberance, you know, you could have the opposite now where basically we're just in a permanent state of fearfulness. Uh, maybe we get that reversal and, and and I definitely hear you, you know, this could be the big play, right? Every time there's a big correction, I mean, we, we really crashed hard. Um, there's, there's always a big play that, that can be made. Uh, I, I think there's a non-zero probability though that, you know, we get a bit of a spike up. It's people get the exit liquidity and then, you know, we resume a fearful market and that, that fearful market is sustained. Yeah, and guys, look at traditional markets also. I mean, greed at an all-time high for the past 10 years plus. And yeah. I, I think still, I, I still maintain that from my macro perspective, if traditional markets get smacked and there's something huge that happens this year that we, you know, I'm not saying... COVID 2.0 is going to happen, but <laughs> something crazy and there's a huge recession, the market dumps for the first time and it doesn't see a top for another year and a half. Can crypto, you know, bounce back irrespective of that contagion? Absolutely. Yeah. A absolutely. 100%. I mean, I, mean I, I would say that that is what we actually need in the crypto space. To decouple, because to decouple from traditional markets. Yeah. Well, no, I would say first the, the market gets 
absolutely obliterated. And basically the only thing that survives is, is a protocol with an active development team, uh, pro, uh, projects with an actual product. And you get the kind of dot-com vibes where you have an opportunity to invest in, in the next kind of set of companies that survived the crash. I think capital will be focused um, and potentially maybe more widely distributed at the lowest base. But I think a lot of these medium cap projects with no prospects uh, are going to get completely obliterated and we're going to see a reshuffling of, of the top 20, 50 projects. Sure. Uh, you'll sure. take Q. Yeah, that's in, that, that's interesting. Yeah. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. No, I think I think crypto will always bounce back the hardest. After all, it's the best hedge against inflation as well. Um, you know, I think I think regardless of what macro market cycle takes place and traditional market like structure takes place, crypto will always come out better off. And I think if we do get a market crash situation, which you know a lot of people are predicting to happen in the second half of this year. Um, you know, like I said earlier, crypto will probably bleed 65, 70, maybe even 80% in the bigger caps and the more sound investments. But the, the lower caps, the ones that uh, Luca was talking about now, ones that are medium cap to low cap, but just an idea prospect rather than development, those are going to dump 90, 95, some even 99%. Um, and maybe go to people, zero. Yeah, maybe you just go to zero. A lot of those projects rely on high token sales to fund the development for the next few years, you know, but as their token emissions will probably play out into bearish trends, they don't actually have the funds to finance the development of their protocols. So they just remain an idea rather than a company. And there are very few projects in crypto which actually have functioning business models. You know, Elrond being one of the most underrated ecosystems with one of the most incredible teams and business development model out there in the crypto space. And it's projects like that, that are gonna have true growth when we see that correction and the bounce, and we see a complete reshuffling of capital into the sound investments um, once retail and shitcoin FOMO has been flushed out completely. Yeah, and that, I mean, John T also touch on leverage, bro. Like, yeah. could we also see a massive, like just a macro leverage uh, well, sort of whitewash out of the the markets as well, where all of the these things, especially the hype stuff, just dumps. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest problem with leverage, if I just speak about the crypto space, is that you know what I've noticed is a ton of retail investors. We've had a few leverage liquidation events. This recent crash that we had was largely a liquidation event, and the Bitcoin that got liquidated was predominantly Bitcoin purchased within the previous three months. So what you can already start seeing from these on-chain metrics is that it's not guys like us that have been in the space for a few years. It's not guys like whales and OGs and influencers and guys who have been accumulating and studying and structuring their portfolios into the crypto space. It's these retail investors that want to play catch up, that just go and pump 50x leverage and get liquidated and lose all their money. And I'm on a few alpha groups on Discord and the amount of posts that happen every day with newcomers in the market that just lose all their money because they don't know what they're doing is massive. So I think leverage liquidation events are essential to the market because it flushes out the weak hands. Um, and to say it bluntly, it removes the idiots from the space as well. 
um, and just keeps the song solid sound capital investors into this in the space. Um, but yeah, I mean, on a on a macro level as well, you know, any form of high leverage or you know all time high in leverage. I mean, Bitcoin's leverage positions was hitting an all time high before we had this recent crash of sixty five k. You know, the 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 leverage chart just wouldn't reset. We had the pullback to forty eight, still wouldn't reset. So we had the bigger pullback uh, to the low forty twos. And that's kind of what we needed to get some form of 20, 30% correction on the all time high leverage chart. Um, and I mean, we still haven't reset it properly. You know, there, there, there's still room to come down for the leverage in the Bitcoin market and yeah. the crypto market. And, you know, I think people are so eager to leverage at the moment because they're all playing into this. You know, 2022 is the year of crypto. It's the bullish year for crypto. Everything is going to be big in 2022. You know, 2021 was just a warm up. And, you know, at the start of 2021, everyone was saying 2021 is going to be the year for crypto. 2020 was just a warm up. Like if you thought the March to December gains were, were something like wait till you see what's going to happen this year. And ultimately, it's, it's a copy paste narrative and the same people will get wrecked and the same people will make money. And the retail, unfortunately, will just come worse off because every single influencer is pushing you to open a Bybit account. Every single influencer is telling you to open a Femex account. You know, every single influencer is posting a leverage trading tutorial because they know that that's where the views are. And that's mm -hmm. what these retail members are seeing. And that's what they think they're going to do. And they ultimately just get wrecked. That's an interesting point, John T. Like these guys with the widest base, they really do all have the Femex and Bybit links in the sub in in the uh, what is it the the box under the video yeah um no it's, it's it's a thing i mean for example the bit token is a huge you know there's a huge demand for the bit token now that bybit's just launched their launch pad and they they're running the uh in two days time they've, they're launching custer which is the moon calls uh sort of education token it's launching with Bybit, and in order to do that, you have to hold the Bit token. And these influencers get a lot of kickback benefits to the Bit token if you join through their, their invite links. So they're like they're incentivized heavily to do that. And you know, obviously, when we all started in the crypto space, if you saw an influencer saying something and they had two hundred thousand subs, you were like, "Wow, this guy must know what he's talking about. He's been here longer than me." He's got a huge following. He has to be right, you know, without even like you just full trust someone that you've never met in your life. You know, you just you just see them on a screen. And, you know, one thing is clickbait is is real in the crypto space. And yeah, I mean, yeah, every influence sure. is pushing you to leverage trade. For sure. Uh, and look, I mean, this is the, the reality is we're in that sort of cycle, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, based on how you look at it. We're in that cycle where every a young person and his dog is a crypto moon boy and thinks everything they put their money in is going into the moon. Um, and, you know, remembering drawing on some uh, timeless advice from, you know, old school investing is that everyone is a genius in a bull market. Um, yeah. So, you know, everyone's made money over the past year. Everyone thinks they're a genius. And uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I, I do want to touch on two more points. Like I was, I was just about to say, my still sticking to my overall macro edition that I, macro prediction for this year that I think uh, people 
could more likely than not get burned um, generally and on a macro level with with crypto in general there's a high probability um, but yeah I mean guys like two more points just to before we start closing out the episode uh, slowly what do we think is going to happen with like the NFT space in general metaverse web3 obviously being a big flash in the pan at the end of last year and uh, the basis of which this show was started, uh, which I which I say with caution. Um, although I think we're more uh, foundationally strong than those uh, some of the other hype NFT projects out there, um, I'd like to believe. Uh, but yeah, what do we think is happening in that space um, in 2022? Is there going to be... Um, well, for, okay, so from my perspective, we'll go around the table. Um, I think... You know, every, like I said, every every guy and his dog is getting into an NFT project. They think they're a genius because they're selling um, crypto trolls or whatever the, the hell the next thing is for over 50 ETH, allegedly. And, uh, you know, people are making a lot of money, but everyone's making money in a, in a bull market. Um, and I think we could be approaching, as Luca pointed out earlier, that potential dot-com bubble bursting moment. Um, with ninety 95% of the projects going to zero. I can't, you know, I can't give you the exact time on when that's going to happen. I think it's a good chance that it could happen in 2022. Uh, what do you well, guys think? Yeah, I mean, if you actually look at the NFT charts, it's going through a bear market currently. The last three months in NFTs have been bearish. It's select few projects that have moved. For example, Bored Apes because of the celebrity uptick narrative. Uh, crypto punks because you know they're the blue chip and the one or two other projects that have done very well are uh, cyber kongs you know their floor is rocketed due to the banana token emission um, and a handful of others but majority of the nft space has actually gone through a bear market and there's been a ton of failed mints a ton of unsuccessful mints and you know only now at the start of this year things starting to pick up again for nfts so i do see 2022 there will obviously as always as i've been saying for the last few weeks metaverse and everything needs a correction there's a lot of shit in the space and there's very few blue chips that are actually developing proper foundation um and the one thing people don't realize is how long it takes to develop a game it's years of development it's not just oh let's post a game trailer six months later we're launching a full game that's not how it works it's years and years and years of development and you know, this is where projects like Sandbox have done so well um, because, you know, using a pixelated metaverse, you know, your your chances of getting glitch in the code is so much less than, for example, a metaverse like Sin City or a metaverse like Realm, where you've got this high, high, high 3D graphic, um, super HD, you know, artwork and metaverse space. But what people are finding is there's tons of glitches and things like that. So all these kinks in the armor need to be worked out. But that being said, I do think 2022 will be the first year that people actually properly integrate into the metaverse with their daily lives. I can see at the end of this year, people actually committing to metaverse lifestyle rather than reality. Um, like VR, are you thinking like VR vibes, uh, you know, yeah, goggles on, that sort of exactly. thing? Um, a Ready Player One society, but in a much more basic format because we had to start off the development. 
And I think the next five years for Metaverse is going to be big. But I think anyone accessing Metaverse Yield, anyone accessing Metaverse GameFi or things like that are going to be the Bitcoin buyers when Bitcoin was at a few cents um, over the next five years. I think Metaverse will be the five-year play. Um, but I do see massive volatility swings before that comes you know, to light. Um, but yeah, I do see NFTs and, and Metaverse having a massive year this year, despite the, the macro swings that will take place. Luca, thoughts? Like, I think uh, what Jonji touched on with kind of a few projects standing out and, and the rest struggling, I think just as capital will kind of rally around projects with team and product, uh, relentlessly culling everything else. Um, I, I think we'll see the same thing in the NFT space. Um, generally speaking, I mean, I don't know a lot of people that would be short the space overall long term. John C said, you know, we all yeah, we all long on a on a year's uh, uh, time horizon. Um, so, so I think I think the blue chips will do well. Um, these might change. Um, we we might not know right now what they are. Um, but I mean, over the next five years, they'll certainly emerge and, and you'll have that opportunity to, to buy Bitcoin uh, at a dollar. Sounds good. Sounds good. Last, uh, last go around for, for the evening, uh, before we close it out, who do we think, what asset, stable coin, layer one, DeFi protocol, NFT project is the biggest winner for 2022? Ah. Uh. Terra Luna, hands down. I think Terra Luna is going to be the, one of the most successful ecosystems. In my mind, it's a top five project. Um, you know, I, I you know, I've, top I've, five by the end of 22, 20, like top five by the end of 2022. Easily. 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 UST and Luna will both be a top 10 currency. If not Luna in the top five, UST will be in the top five. And I, I think it will very, very, very quickly flip tether. Um, yeah. I mean, the other, the Luca, other ecosystems that similar I think sentiment. Be, yeah, the other ecosystems I think are going to be big are the other layer ones. You know, I think Polkadot's going to have a massive 2022, especially with the parachain deployments and, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, whole, the whole ecosystem going live. Um, I mean, we have Moonbeam and Akala, first two projects to deploy in Polkadot mainnet. Um, and I can see 2022 being, you know, the, the, the birth of the fruit, you know, for, for Polkadot ecosystem. Um, but if I had to put my money on one project with the most incredible founder, Mr. Duquan, uh, you know, basing his whole project around decentralized stable coins, you know, with the yield generation, with anchor protocol, you know, with all these high, high, high innovative projects coming to the Terra Luna space. I can see the Terra Luna ecosystem really, really growing hard. So 2022, yeah, Terra Luna is my, my baby. Luca, who's your Look, biggest I winner, think, 2022? I think I would, I would add one thing to your list, which is uh, kind of project leads, developers. I think the, the big winners of next year are going to be those influential developers driving, driving uh, kind of the best projects forwards, like Duke Kwan. Um, Andre Cronier from Phantom, I think 
well, I, I, I am uh, betting my money on on the kind of the the, the guys really delivering um, on. on Surprised you guys didn't uh, didn't put Cardano or XRP in that list. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Funny you say that. I've actually seen some some people, some tweets on Twitter, kind of looking bullish and saying, you know, Cardano DeFi uh, is coming. I, I think it's hilarious because like Ethereum's already at DeFi 2.0, and and, and Cardano is getting <laughs> getting <laughs> started. Is getting DeFi. And I mean, DeFi one Phantom's at DeFi DeFi 100 already. So, yeah, <laughs> I think That's I think Cardano. I don't know. I think I think Cardano had a very has a strong community and a big community behind it. And you know, the Cardano let like people that bought at a few cents are going to hold until they die because they're all over 100 x. Um, but the people who buy Cardano now, unless you're short term, again, guys, I said it last week. Short term Cardano charts are looking good for a breakout. But yeah, you yeah, said it last week. As as a fundamental play, excuse my language. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I, we've got to remember the seminal tweet. Uh, you're not a community. Uh, you're a bag holder support group. And I think <laughs> and I think uh, uh, there's there's uh, never been a truer tweet uh, as regards. Uh, Cardano I think I think with Cardano, we've also got to remember the the joke. Uh, that stole the Web3 show uh, last year. <laughs> Definitely my top joke. Well, you know, that Cardano is Bing. <laughs> Would you invest in Bing or are you going to invest in Google Chrome? That's that's the question, right? John, tell me something bro, before we uh, close out the show for the evening. Why in South Africa, why do people in South Africa love XRP? It can't just be because it's cheap, like it's six rand a coin or something. Like, no, that, that why do people really, love it so much? People, people, <laughs> people fall for the misconception that the price of a token is the most important thing. They fail to view the market cap. And so many people yes, 100%. in this country are all owning my, my business partner's dad. He owns a huge bag of XRP. And in his mind, you know, and a lot of other South African minds, XRP is going, you know, to like $10, $20, $30, which market cap wise, it's just not possible. It's not going to happen. But they're all buying this token at six cents because they think, you know, people who bought Bitcoin at six cents, now Bitcoin's at this many thousands of dollars. No reason why XRP can't do the same. And when you go into Luno, which is the local current, uh, local crypto exchange here in South Africa, you go into Luno and the only assets offered are Bitcoin, which is a couple hundred thousand rand per coin. Ethereum, which is... No, a million. Six... Isn't it a million? Sorry, yeah. It's no, okay. So it's, it's that. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like 800, what, 65? Or oh, 800,000. Sorry, yeah. It's yeah. 800,000. 800,000 rand for one Bitcoin. Ethereum's at about 65,000 Rand for one Ethereum. USDC is at about, you know, 15 Rand per dollar. And your other option is XRP, which is six Rand a coin. What are you going to pump money into? You know, Literally. when you, when Literally. you look at value, like that. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's guys would rather hold 10,000 XRP than 0.0000001 USDC coin, you know, <laughs> Yeah. No, it's anyway. it's scary. It's scary, actually. 
Um, yeah, because I mean, XRP is like what over it is over a billion market cap. But if it's, it, are you telling me it's going to go to like they're basically saying oh, it'll go to what for thirty billion dollars market cap? So let, let's like, have, let's have a look quick. If I had to bring up ridiculous, r- ridiculous XRP quick. Um, we can actually yeah but it, yeah. no but i mean just just to finish the thought like it, why you why you pull up the chart like it is scary to see when you get on the ground and i think this also makes me nervous with the cycle we're in a lot of people coming into the space you know when people are pumping something like xrp and saying yeah like super bullish on web3 metaverse and xrp i'm like bro seriously like Get a grip. I um, mean, right now, XRP is sitting at a $40 billion market cap. So, and that's at 83 cents a coin. These guys think that it's going to be going to, you know, 10 to 20 to $30, some of them. Like, at, at $20, XRP is what? $800 billion market cap? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Sorry, I was looking in the wrong column. That's the but yeah, market cap you, you of... Correct. of of Bitcoin and you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just, just market exactly. cap wise, there's no ways there's a 20 X <laughs> sitting there for XRP. Yeah. Um, in my mind, it's just, you know, uh, unless XRP pulls something out the bag, I just think they're going to get left behind. I, I personally am not a fan of the project. I think they were great when they first launched and they had a lot of innovation, but ultimately, you know, we've had new competitive ecosystems pop up. Was there not insider which, trading? Yeah, there was. There was. They there had was, the whole thing uh, with the ACC. There was also insider trading, but didn't they win that that lawsuit? Or was that? Not, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. Yeah, I don't actually even know if that lawsuit's it, resolved yet. Anyway, I think it's besides besides the point of this at this stage. I think the the overall the overall uh, message is just to to be careful where you put your. You put your funds, obviously, you know, yeah. always not financial advice. Uh, but yeah, I think there's, I think there's more metrics just, to pay attention to over price and, you know, just, exactly. just how cheap something is. I think the biggest narrative to keep an eye on are bridge protocols, interoperability and EVM compatibility. I think those are the three niches that you should focus on crucially when it comes to uh, crypto investments. Um, you know, bridge bridge protocols being DeFi protocols that have access to multiple um, different networks and where you can easily and seamlessly bridge currency from one network to another through the protocols. Um, you know, EVM compatibility, meaning that the layer one, for example, Polkadot or, you know, for example, Phantom is compatible with Ethereum. Uh, so there's cross-chain interoperability there and yeah, interoperability on a large scale, you know, any project trying to go on it at polka dot. now. Yeah. Polkadot is the backbone of interoperability in my mind. And I think, yeah. you know, those Just, sort of projects that work together with other projects will benefit and take market share rather than projects that try to replace like Cardano's pretty much saying stuff you to everyone and trying to do it on their own. 
Yep. Couldn't agree with you guys more. Nothing like a sprinkling of uh, alpha. That's it. Love that. <laughs> uh, great, great uh, message to end off the show. Couldn't agree with you guys. But thanks for your predictions, boys. We'll hold ourselves accountable come uh, 31st of December 2022. Uh, let's see let's see how it goes. But listen, I must say, just to close off the show, I'm looking very forward to uh, grinding on the Web3 show with you, you boys. Couldn't uh, ask for any other two gentlemen to do it with. Uh, so yeah, big year ahead. We'll be, we'll be coming at you all uh, weekly on a Monday, sometimes Tuesday, but if not Wednesday, <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as we've learned, life happens. Hey, um, but yeah, boys, thanks so much. Any, any memes we've seen to start off the new year? Um, if not, we'll close it out and catch everyone next week. <laughs> That More memes to share next week when we get back into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! Yeah, no, no. I, I had yeah. a meme, but I can't remember it now. But yeah, no, guys, thanks for the yeah. great show. Looking forward to next yeah. week. Yep. See you all next week Monday. Bye, everybody.